Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is where we'll get to in just a few moments here. Uh, if you've been asked to teach a Sunday school lesson before or, or give some sort of challenge, then you know what it's like to have that initial thought of, uh, do I have anything uh, knowledgeable about what they're asking me to, to talk about here or even about the, the topic like a special night tonight is for us here. And uh, when, when I was asked, when Dad asked me to give this challenge, for this graduation service, I thought, well, well, I haven't spoken for anything like this before. I, uh, I honestly don't really remember too many graduation uh, sermons, which bodes well for me if the next 15 minutes don't go very well. Um, and um, they have over at the university the baccalaureate service every year, and, and uh, that's a little bit different than what we're doing here tonight. But then I did remember I gave a, a salutatorian speech about 20 years ago. And uh, I, I don't know that that exists anymore. My mom may still have that somewhere, knowing her. Uh, but I, I don't know that that exists anymore. And I also thought they probably don't want to hear an 18-year-old's perspective on life and the promising future that lies ahead. Uh, so what I have for you tonight is a little bit different and uh, hopefully better than it was when I gave it about 18 years ago. And probably right now you're thinking, what does this have to do with what we're doing here tonight? Uh, the passage that you have there in front of you, if you just glance down at it real quick, uh, this is a psalm by David, written by King David, an old King David. Uh, his words, not mine. If you look down in verse number 25, it starts out, I have been young, and now I'm old. And uh, unlike me, when I gave that high school graduation speech, David does have some perspective here. By the point in this life, if you think about it, as an, as an older man, he's experienced some incredible highs. Uh, he's also experienced some incredible lows as well. And in this particular chapter, he shares some of those perspectives on life, some divinely inspired observations about life, and specifically observations about the righteous man, about the wicked man, and about God's relationship to each of those groups. Uh, because of time and because of kind of the nature of what this service is tonight, we're only going to really be looking at the righteous man and how God deals with righteous individuals. And Three observations, really, that I want to want to stick to. There could be so many more things that we talk about, and probably the, the 12, 15 minutes that I have here is not going to do even what we talk about justice. But I do think that they're, they're good reminders for graduates, but I also think they're really good reminders for all of us as well. Look down at verse number three. We'll start there, and then we'll, we'll skip a few verses as we go along here, but I'll, I'll tell you when we move on. Verse number three says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Skip down to verse number 23 now. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Now verse 34. Wait on the Lord, and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. And finally, verse number 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him.
Look back up at verse number three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust, the opposite of doubt and worry. Doubt and worry, two things that maybe some of the graduates are more familiar with, especially if tomorrow morning you have an exam at 8 o'clock. Then doubt and worry are maybe on the back of your minds. Uh, you probably have, uh, have experienced worry in various situations, but if you look at kind of the common theme with those, when do we usually worry? We usually worry when the future is unknown. We worry when we realize that the situation that we're in or the person that we're dealing with is outside of our control. You've probably had someone uh, probably try to be helpful to you if they know that you're worrying about something. They'll say something like, oh, stop worrying. It'll be okay. Usually not very helpful, right? We want guarantees. Here are some guarantees that if by chance you're writing some things down, this is what I would encourage you to write down these passages so you can go back and look at them or maybe even meditate on them this week. The first, Deuteronomy 30, verse 5. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And then Deuteronomy 31, 8. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. If I were to ask you, we've done this before on a Wednesday night, but if I were to ask you some other guarantees, or in other words, some other promises that God gives us in his word, you would be able to come up with some that maybe have been very near and dear to you um, through the years, through situations that you've experienced and the way that God has proved himself to be faithful to you. But, but why did I choose these two particular passages? If you look down at verse number three here in our passage of Psalm 37, Part of that verse says, So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. This is something that's interesting as you look down through that passage. If you were to look, kind of underline uh, something connected to the land, David talks and refers to Israel's inherited land five times in this short passage. If you think for a second here, I want us to think of the significance of this. As David sits in that land that's talked about in those verses, those verses in Deuteronomy, he is living proof that the promises of God are true. There are probably some, some people that are there with him that are uh, you know, straight descendants and probably connected to, to him and to people who um, experience those promises, all of those children obviously being people who, who are descendants there from Israel. And, and he himself, David, uh, can say uh, that these promises are true. You think about the fact that he's been protected from Saul. He was protected from various enemies along the path. He was protected from even his own son. God can be trusted is what David is saying right now. And he can be trusted because when he makes promises of his presence, you get everything that you need. You get him most importantly. And then he also promises that he will meet those needs. And so when you get him, you also get the help to meet those needs. This particular thing, part of, of all of this is important, and I think it's been something that's very practical for me. Probably the most important thing and the most practical thing for me as an adult in dealing with my fears and my worries is to look back and to see how God has been faithful in, in fulfilling those promises that he gave to me. <clears throat> David here in this psalm is doing just that. He's looking back. He's remembering similar situations where God has given him, him help. But there's one more thing that I want to direct your attention to as well. Um, worry tends to very quickly cause us to become very focused inward. We can very quickly uh, think that it's just 
this is just in my world. Um, and something here, if it's not corrected or if it's not fixed, then everything else is going to come crashing down. Or you may have thoughts, man, I'm the only one that's, that's experiencing something like this, or I'm the only one that's ever experienced something like that. And even if you know that that's not true in that moment, those feelings can rush over you because that's just how doubt and how fear, fear and worry work. But he says something very specific that I want us to pay attention to that I think is important, and it's not just an add-on, but I think it's part of the formula here. Look down at verse number three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. It's hard to worry when you're thinking about other people. It's hard to worry when you're busy serving and loving other people. So, graduates, as you move on to the next stage of your, of your life, when unknown come, unknowns come, the first thing that I would encourage you to do is trust. Trust God. Part of that is going to be, we've heard it taught here, I've heard Samuel talk about it to us before, but you need to learn how to preach truth to yourself. And that, that requires you to know God's word and to know the promises. But then second of all, you need to do good. Find someone who needs you and show them God's love. Second, delight. Verse number four, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. First, the imperative. Delight thyself in the Lord. Those of you who, like Ben, I heard last week, you're going to get the opportunity here very soon to see a family member or a relative that you haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, probably some of you in the last couple of years, you've introduced new babies or new grandbabies um, into this world and uh, have had the experience of meeting them for the first time. You know what it means in those situations. You know what it means to, delight, to take delight in somebody. Uh, we all have seen a, a grandparent that's holding that grandbaby for the first time. You would think that like they're the only two people there in that room. Um, the, the mother is sitting there. I, I just did a lot of work here. Anybody want to pay attention to me? Uh, but nobody cares about the mother, or definitely about the father. Let me tell you that firsthand. Okay? Nobody cares. Why? Because all they care about is that baby, right? And, and as you hold that baby, as that, that grandmother, that grandfather holds that baby, they're, they're delighting in that baby. And this is what David is wanting us to do with God. Fix our eyes on God. Study him. Uh, you, think about, uh, you think about that grandmother who's looking intently at that baby. She's studying the nose, <laughs> studying the eyes. And then you hear, oh, she's got this person's eyes. Oh, I've never seen this. Is, is, are you sure this is yours? No, hopefully not that. <laughs> right? But she's studying that baby to make sure that it's, a, it's hers. And she's studying that baby because it's beautiful and because it's something very precious. It's something that she delights in. That's the idea that David's trying to give to us. Now, the promise. Look at the second half of verse number four there. It says, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Is this he'll give me my heart's desires or he'll give me the desires he wants me to have? Yes, I believe both. And I think that probably you have experienced something like this before. Think about um, some of you, you, or think back to when you were trying to figure out, like, is this the per person that God wants me to marry? Or is this the job that God wants me to take? Or is this the state or the, the place that God wants me to move? Those are all things that you probably questions that you didn't, didn't know and didn't have answers to, but you knew that the right thing to do in those situations were, I need to pray about this. And so you go to God's word and you ask him for wisdom. And as time passes, or maybe the time comes for you to make a decision about one of those things, um, somebody, somebody may ask you, okay, what's your decision going to be? And then you, you told them what, what your decision was, and you say something to the effect of, I, I know this is what God wants. 
um, I, I feel like this is what God wants for, for me or for my family. I, c- I can look back and see how God orchestrated things along the way that made this decision something that I need to do. And you know what? This is what, this is what I want. What's happened in that situation? You delighted in God. You sought his face. You looked into his word. You prayed for guidance. And what has happened? God has actually taken his desires and your desires and molded those two things together. And what a beautiful thing when, when you're able to feel confident in a decision that has been made because it, you know that it is something that both God wants and it's something that your heart wants as well. Um, just a quick illustration because sometimes I do know like, you know, situations you're like, well, that's great and I want to pray about stuff and, and, and I've sought God and I just don't know yet. Some of you may remember uh, Mr. Bill West. And uh, Mr. West, I remember one Wednesday night, he stood right back there in the back uh, when, when dad was asking for, for praises and uh, he had something they had something that came up in their, their life I don't remember what it was but they had something that come up and he just wasn't sure what to do and he said but, but just this week I was reading my devotions and I came to Second Chronicles 20 verse 12 another one that you may want to write down and the verse says O our God wilt thou not judge them for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us neither know we what to do but our eyes are on thee. That's delighting in God. And what's the promise that comes along with that? He will give us the desires that he wants for us, desires that lead both to our good and to his glory. And then finally, the third word, wait. Look down, if you would, at verse number 34. It says, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. Again, remembering the the context of this passage, this is a situation, a scenario where the righteous are looking around at all of the evil works and at all the wickedness that's going on. And and David's saying, make sure that you keep the right perspective with all of this that's going on. Understand that God is still in control. And in the meantime, keep doing what you're supposed to do. I think that's a message that we we need to hear regularly, even today. David says here, wait not like the wait as in sit around and do nothing. This is a Hebrew word to look, to hope, to have a confident expectation in the fact that God will act. But in the meantime, obey. Check out the phrase right after the first part of verse number 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. You're going to be called to wait, graduates. You're going to be called to wait, adults. <laughs> You're going to be called to wait, elderly person. You're going to be called to wait a lot of time in your life. This type of wait that you need to understand, no offense to the doctors that are part of our conversation, but this is not a sit-in-the-doctor's-office kind of wait where you pick up a magazine that you don't care anything about and flip through it as if you do care something about it, hoping that sometime your, your name is called, but really knowing that you probably have 15 to 20 minutes left. It's not that kind of wait. God wants our weight to be active. God wants our weight to be active. Someone once said, to be called to wait is to be called to the activity of remembering. Remembering who I am and who God is. To be called to wait is to be called to the activity of worship. Worshiping God for his presence, wisdom, power, love, and grace. To be called to wait is to be called to the activity of serving looking for ways to lovingly assist and encourage others who are being called to wait as well. And to be called to wait is to be called to the activity of praying, confessing the struggles of my heart and seeking the grace of God who has called me to wait. 
uh, I found that, that what comes a lot of times from having to wait is the realization that you, you have very little under your control. Uh, I, actually, I actually have, uh, have experienced uh, you, as you wait the control, you think that you have control of something and, oh, well, I, I'll get control on this. Or I can at least kind of control these areas and it still doesn't work out the way that you had hoped or the way that you had desired that it would work out. Uh, whether it's you know a graduate who's waiting on a job or it could be a parent who's waiting on a wayward child or it could be a pastor who's waiting on a difficult church member. When you wait, you quickly realize, I don't have control over anything. I don't have control over the situation and I really don't have any control over that other person. By the way, future husbands, wives, make sure that you write that one down or jot that one down. And hopefully, in all of that, that causes you to remember there is only one sovereign and he is not you. That one sovereign has everything under control, though. My responsibility is to trust him, to delight in him, and to actively wait by obeying what he's called me to do right now. Uh, for some of you, when we mentioned Psalm 37, a very very popular, very famous passage, you probably uh, were hoping or thought that this was destined to be another, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord message, and I don't want to disappoint, so let me end with this. There are two verses, those two verses there that are kind of in the last half of the chapter, verse number 23 and 24, which I'm sure for some of you are probably marked, highlighted, underlined, scribbled around something, they're marked there in your book. They should be. They're really the glue of this passage. Uh, when I, when I, told Dad I was probably going to be speaking on Psalm 37. To be honest with you, this is where I thought I was going to, to start and speak with. And um, to be honest with you, I kind of just threw it in here at the end. Not as in like I threw it in without any thought, but I think God wants me to talk about it, but only here briefly. And um, I think the point of, it's actually those other things that then you get to this verse right here. This is kind of the pinnacle that, that we would encourage you to kind of think around. But those other things that God commands us to do in that passage, that's our responsibility. But as equally as important is the fact that whether you're a graduate, whether you're a parent, whether you're a spouse, whether you're a young person who's not ready to graduate, you're maybe just, tomorrow's just going to be another day where you wake up and go to school. The point is, is that God orders our steps. That passage there, that, that word, the steps of a good man, a lot of times are translated to like a, a mighty man, uh, a soldier it could be. And the ordering, these are not suggestions. God does. He has a very specific order for our steps and for our path, but it is our responsibility to follow through with what, has got, what God has called us to do. And one of those things, as we started out with, is the call there to delight in him. And I think when it comes to any command in Scripture, especially when God asks us to do something and we think of ourselves, I don't have the capability or the possibility to do this, the first thing that we should do is, what, does, what, what is there about God that shows me that I can do this? In other words, what has God done? There is probably most likely what we're going to find is God is my example in this. I can find where God was able to or Christ was able to do this. And because he is able to do this, I can be able to do this as well. And it starts here with what we just talked about. The way that he, delight, or the way that he calls us to delight in him, he already delights in us. There will be bumps along the path. Understand that there will, yes, there will be bumps along your path. And sometimes those bumps will trip you up like this verse talks about. But you have someone who is sovereign, who is all-powerful, and all-loving, who is caring for you. And he is upholding you all along the way. So, trust him, delight in him, and obey him. Let's pray.
Lord, we do thank you for each one of these graduates and for the work that they have put in to get to this point. As they go forward, as we all go forward, Lord, I ask that you would please help us to live with the right perspective on life circumstances. And may those circumstances continue to teach us to trust in, delight in, and obey you more.